This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Today's show is sponsored by Blue Apron. For less than $10 per meal, Blue Apron delivers the fresh ingredients you need to create home-cooked meals. Get your first two meals for free at BlueApron.com slash BadChristian. Today's show is also sponsored by NatureBox. With over 100 delicious snacks, NatureBox makes it easy to find the snacks you want without questioning what's in them. Head over to NatureBox.com forward slash BadChristian today and receive 50% off your first box. You are now entering the Bad Christian Podcast. How's it going, Halfwits? This is Matt, and you've just entered the Bad Christian Podcast. Now, some of you may have gotten here because you're Googling, looking for a Perry Noble sermon, or typed Perry Noble in the iTunes app, and, well, you you came to the wrong place, but we'll hope you will stay anyway. Perry is on the show today, joins us for a conversation in a little bit, but before that, you will hear, in fact, conversation from a mentally ill pastor, a big jerk friend of mine, and me. And we're just going to sit here and talk like we would if none of y'all were listening anyway. And that's pretty much sums up what the Bad Christian Podcast is. Well, that and the promotional things that I like to stick in this uh, intro, effectively making the whole podcast uh, basically an infomercial. But this particular infomercial is about the new band that we've added to BC Music, and that's House of Heroes who is incredible, but it's kind of silly for me even to tell you or try to describe their music because, well, they've already made it, and not only that, they've paid for that, they've paid for a video, they've got, uh, they premiered a song on our podcast last week that you can listen to, so the only thing you should be doing right now is typing in thehouseofheroes.com and checking out their music for it for yourself, and then you'll know if you like it or not, and if you do, uh, you are under strong obligation to purchase it that's kind of the way it works it's uh we're moving away from guilt in the church but i'd like to increase a little bit of guilt in music listening so if you listen to the music and you do like it then keep in mind the music's free but then you listen to it then if you like it you are obligated to buy it morally that's the way that works also emory acoustic shows on sale in portland and seattle april 29th and 30th and again, if you've listened to Emory's music before and you like it and you don't buy a ticket to one of these shows, you are a bad person. And I'm telling you, just like Psalm 917 says, the wicked go down to the realm of the dead and all nations that forget God. I'm here to tell you today that I just forget it. Three, two, one. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> <laughs> that works. <laughs> oh lord it's the bad christian podcast i guess I... boy toby you're starting off with the energy and intensity and then joey who happens to be on his skype on his I mobile my... device you lose a lot of bass in the beatbox in there it kind of totally fell apart that was hilarious joey it was like you were in a storm i yep. just heard wind that's all i heard that's unbelievable I, I couldn't even experience the energy it you know, through through the ears, I'm sure I would have felt it more if I was there in person as well. Well, thank you. I started off by reading a scripture because I am now acting campus pastor of our church since, Joey, you're off in somewhere. Uh, where are you at, Tennessee? I'm in Roan Mountain, population 1,500. Wow. And this is, a, and <laughs> this is your sabbatical, and it's for you to get rest for a month, correct? Rest, rest, recharge, re-energize. Yeah, man. Uh, you know, I'm just constantly pouring out. So sometimes time to fill up. Gotta get poured into, man. So I, I actually. You've been actually, getting poured into? 
Yeah, I have been. <laughs> <laughs> and loving every minute of it. I'm, so are, I'm upset about it. As... They're going good, but I'm upset about it now that Toby's been promoted to campus pastor, and now you're a pastor. I really feel uh, stupid. Like, I can't relate to y'all anymore. Yeah, yeah. Like, no longer... I was outnumbered in a really bad way. I don't I've never like felt it. closer to Joey. <laughs> <laughs> Joey, every time you've told me something, now I get it. Like, you know, like, you know somebody tries to tell you something you can't, until you walked in their shoes, you don't know. It. I get it, dude. I understand. It's like having kids. Like, now you understand. And you talk I'm down popular. to everybody who I'm does it. I'm so loft like it's candy. <laughs> <laughs> Give us a couple examples of what you get now. All right, so uh, this week I had to be on a finance meeting. (laughs) 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 I don't hardly do finances with Jess. Jess has to pull tooth and nail to get me to do finance with her. So I sat down, and I actually understood it. And 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 that's crazy that I would understand the budget and all these things. Joey, you're you're very uh, on top of the budget and want to know things and know where money is spent, how it's coming in, how it's going out, and all that stuff. That just – I could not care less about that. But I want to tell you that I did a good job. Our church is under budget, and we're doing really good. Like, our church is actually doing good. Uh, I actually feel like I am enjoying the church more in this position. Now, now let me clarify. I'm making a little bit of fun. I'm not actually a campus pastor. I don't want to, take, I don't want to be a pastor. I don't think I should be. But I'm just in jo- I'm filling in as Joey's role, the things he has to get done. But uh, so I led response this week. So I, at our church at Seacoast, you do the songs on the front, then the sermon, and then we give like a certain amount of time for people to respond to the sermon, connect with God, and then, you know, just like uh, kind of have a quiet time or whatever. But during that time is when my time to speak, and I kind of lead people into that response time, mm-hmm. and I got what I call campus pastor disease. <laughs> <laughs> CPD. I, I was up there, and I start talking, and then, I, then I'm like, I start really talking, and then like I, I realized like a few minutes have passed, and I'm like, I'm preaching. Oh, no. And I, <laughs> And like every campus pastor I've ever worked with or known gets that at some point. Yeah. And I immediately got it. That's the first time I've done it. <laughs> first, first Sunday, I'm I'm acting campus pastor and I immediately just it's went before on. the sermon. No, no, it's after the yeah, sermon. Yeah, see, that's the worst. Like, I mean, I've been to a million churches right. where this campus pastor and you you pipe in a forty five minute sermon of the pastor, the real pastor. Then the local guy gets up, wraps the sermon, says, We're gonna do communion. But by the way, let me talk for 10 minutes. Right. Let me see if I can round up what he said or try to project this more local or uh, get my two cents in on the sermon. But, you know, it's, it's alluring, you're saying. You think they, you know, are they, you, know, you yeah. think they're not even that aware of like, ooh, my spotlight time. But well, people well, pretty the, much don't want it. That's what, I, that's well, what I'm I, saying. Here, here's, let me speak uh, on this real quick. I think what happens sometimes is you get something in your head and you're like, hey, this will actually help demonstrate even further right. what our senior pastor was just saying. But I, I'll tell you, there have been times where I've been sitting there getting ready to go up there and I'm thinking of all this stuff. And I'm like, wait a second. Nobody wants to hear. Nobody this wants to all. hear. Everybody's so like, finally. I seriously, I'll seriously just scratch it in my head and then I'll get up. And, and basically my job is to say, Hey, if you want to take communion over there, that's don't right. Forget body and blood. Hey, if you, you know, if anything struck a chord in your heart, you want to put that on the cross, go back there and do it. But I, you know, I will say there, there are probably sometimes, and and who knows whether Toby experienced this or not. Sunday, there's probably sometimes where, you know, Thousands Toby is his his own person that God can speak to, and he needs to get up there and say, yeah, I think I need to add this. But Toby, you're saying 
in this case, you just got diarrhea of the mouth because people you thought people needed to hear what campus you pastor disease. Well, uh, yeah, the the sermon uh, was about like the end times and like, and I was like, ah, I want to. Oh, that's I, your passion. That's no. you love all those graphs and charts. <laughs> It was really funny because I was like, if Joey was here, he would have just been so engaged in this and probably probably done a really good job during response time. But I think the thing is, you get up on stage and you're like, well, I'm supposed to talk or do something, and then you just don't realize. And you just and, and all three of us are talkers anyway. That's why sure. we're doing a podcast. I mean, it's natural for me. And I started going, and so I, I started talking about. I, I realized I was like, what in the hell am I doing? Because I was just up there going, hey, how do you prepare for end times? By starting today. <laughs> I, went, I went, if I was sitting in the audience, I'd think, this guy's full of shit, man. Let us get out of here. Right. Well, you've already Thanks, heard the main songs. guy we've rap. Already heard, we already heard the, the That's big right. time. That's right. And you, there's that golden moment, 38 minutes in the sermon. It's like, and then I'll close with this. And everybody goes, ah. And then right. here comes Toby ramping it back up again. But I think oh. it's the, the problem is it's not just that. I think it happens a lot in community groups or anywhere where the atmosphere is stiff. The tendency that somebody takes, and it happens on interviews and especially bad interviews, where uh, the tendency is just to keep talking to make it right. better. And that doesn't necessarily make it better. I mean, duh. Yeah. So you've said something. Now you've opened up this can. You say, well, I've got to close it now. And then you then you open up another can in your next statement. Feel like, well, I've got to qualify that after the fact to make it make sense. And the whole time, all you were trying to do is add words to somebody who already wrote and completed a sermon as it is. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Yeah. That that should be the bulk of what people take home. You're you're basically just setting people up for okay. Now we're responding. I don't need to tell you how to respond or how to process right. this, that information. That's not my job. You you just go and do it. But yeah. It's easier said than done when that mic is in front of you, man. Oh, sure. man, you just start laying it down, and you see some people shake their head, and if you hear a mm-hmm, mm-hmm. then you are That's an automatic then. extension like in a race car oh, game yeah. when you make a checkpoint, and it gives you two more minutes. Right. When you get a mm-hmm, you go boom. Oh, reset <laughs> that clock. It, even more for me is the laugh. If I get a laugh, I'm like, oh, I'm a, I'm camping out here for a little bit. I got these people that's on my head. <laughs> Joey, do you, uh, since you're on sabbatical, do you miss it? Like, do, do you miss being a, ca- a pastor right now? Because you're basically dude, I, just Joey right now. Dude, I was just going to tell you, um, there is, there's like this weird emotion I have right now as far as this, this dude that I met back in 1997, who's been my best friend ever since. There's like a, there's like a soft spot in my heart that you are doing this for me because no, I do not miss it one tiny bit. I, I love the people that I rub shoulders with. Like I truly love, I love my community, but I do not miss my job. Dude, I, I drove out to Roan Mountain in Tennessee. It's Eastern Tennessee. It's in the middle of nowhere. In fact, last night was the NCAA uh, finals. And I had to drive two miles down the road to get reception and look at it on my phone. I'm glad I did since it was such an exciting game. Yeah. But I'm in the middle of nowhere. I, the only person I'm talking to is my, I guess you could call him a Christian shrink. And then yeah. I go back to being by myself. So, yeah, I'm, I'm loving every second. And I told, I told uh, Priscilla when I left, I was just like, man, it's so unbelievable because at the end of this week, I'm just going right back into another week of the same thing, just a different location. Like, so right. tell me about the Christian get, shrink. Yeah. So I, I'll tell you something funny that happened is he actually, so he, he doesn't know me from Adam's out. You know, I'm just a, a pastor to him and he does this all the time. And he's really good at what he does. He actually said crappy. And then he paused and he's just like, sorry about uh, crappy <laughs> just to make sure. I'm, 
And so <laughs> it occurred. He's never heard. He didn't know who you were or anything no, about the podcast. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. So it occurred I'm to sorry me about saying crap. He just assumes right. when he uses a secular term like crap, he needs to go ahead and apologize and make right. sure. And he's, a, he's a former <laughs> pastor, too, which, which I thought was a little crazy. Anyway, it, it occurred to me. I was like, you know what? I could go a little deeper with exposing myself to him and say, hey, you know what? It's funny you say that because I don't even have a problem with saying <laughs> shit. We do a podcast. We get a lot of flack. You know, it, it, well, what's the podcast called? Bad Christian. Bad. Whoa. And next thing you know, if I start divulging into our podcast and how we say things and all that stuff, we have just like put a handicap on me getting good counseling because his <laughs> demographic and my demographic are so completely on different planets. Right. It's just that conversation wouldn't have been constructive because mm. I wouldn't have been able to make clear to him why we're doing what we're doing. There's no way he could have understood Maybe I'm not giving him the benefit of the doubt, but I, I am realizing more and more, and I think Toby has actually helped me. Toby's told me one time, he was just like, dude, you know, there's a, a particular pastor at Seacoast, and he said, look, you're trying to speak to him one language, and he's trying to respond in a different language. You're not getting each other. Just don't worry about it. And uh, there, there is an element of that, man, that I, I do think that there's Christian brothers and sisters that are in our family of believers who are the capital C church, but there's no worth. There's, there's no usefulness in trying to help them understand where we're coming from because they just won't get it. And maybe that's bad on our part. Yeah, but it's, it's, I, I agree with the practicality of it, so that's an interesting way to put it. But it seems, though, that the only solution there is something that's a little – it's more either like a careful, less authentic version. I'm not saying everybody you talk the same to everybody. Of course not. But on the other hand, is that, you know, well, I'll just be a guarded, less transparent version of myself. Well, yeah, well, think about it. If I would have said, hey, I don't I agree. have a problem with the word shit, he would have immediately thought, okay, wait a second. This dude's problems are way deeper. Right. <laughs> He's got some theological issues that he has to work for. And next thing you know, my counseling yep. with him is a waste of time because I don't have a problem with that. You yep. know what I'm saying? Right. I have problems with guilt and condemnation and things that he can actually help me Yeah, with. I agree. It was really funny today, Joe. It's hilarious that you're bringing this up because today I went to a worship leader conference. Oh, and so yeah. we, we had a we had a big uh, uh a big group circle. It was huge, and we did this thing where you know you, we're playing a song, and then it's like kind of free worship where you're just like saying stuff to God or whatever. And I didn't know where to look, and all I could because th- everybody's sitting right across from me. So I'm like, do I close my eyes here? Do I? I didn't know what to do, and it kind of set me up for this weird mood because I was like, I was just thinking, what do I? How do? What am I doing right now? And then we go to we uh, these breakout sessions. And everybody's saying stuff, and I thought the exact same thing. Man, I totally, I have a cr- a contrarian <laughs> view to what these people are saying. But if I bring it up, then it, it's not even going to be about what we're talking about. Was your about. head it, blowing it, apart? Were you thinking all kind of crazy thoughts or what? Uh, well, this is true. I t- Joey, I told your sister-in-law, uh, Crystal, like seriously, at the end of the meeting, my heart was beating so fast. Th- <laughs> like, it, was like, it was like I was having a weird like anxiety attack. What because were you I'll, wanting to say? Like what type of thing? Right, just to, uh, hey, let, let me let me take. A I just want to know what let type me take of a stuff. Quick break here. Do you realize how much of arrogant pieces of shit we sound like right now? I don't know. That's, that's, no, that's no. The I agree. We just sound. I mean, it, yeah. But the thing mind. is, I'll leave no, it there. no, no. Okay, I I actually agree with you and disagree. I agree that we sound like that. What I think is, I I I. I <laughs> this sounds so. You want to hear something that sounds awful? <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. Is, yes, okay, I do. Is, <laughs> I forgot that I did this. I, I swear, this is really true. <laughs> we do this thing called free worship where you just call out to God like, God, you are holy. You know, they just keep playing the chords. You, oh, Jesus, he loves it. Holy Spirit. <laughs> and, and I couldn't do it. So under my breath, I was going, I promise I was doing it for real, though. I was going. Lord, is this real? Why do I feel this way? Am I just being, am I just being contrarian to be this way? And I, why can't I go along with this? I was saying that under my breath, and, and I was really trying to do it to talk to the Lord. I was like, if this is the time where you're supposed to do this to the Lord and worship the Lord, can I be real? So I just going under my breath. I was like, Lord, I don't really feel like doing this. Why do I feel this way? Like I was asking the God over and over. And there's people sitting to my left and right, so I was just kind of, barely saying it and i'll try to say lord and holy spirit in there so they would think at least i'm talking to jesus or something but uh so we're sitting in this circle and all these people who are this is the thing that kills me about what like worship music is the people are super smart super good musicians know a ton about gear and performance and everything and then some of the ideas that we toss around i just don't i'm like oh you only know about inside the church like the, like the whole thing that we're doing is inside the church. Like I, I, I've had the benefit of being in a band with Matt. And so Matt and I have not only played, I was talking to somebody today about how we played a Christian club in Minnesota, but we also played Prince's Club, Plush or whatever in Minnesota. And we both, both won. Quest, yeah. Quest, Club Quest, sorry, not Plush. And, uh, and I was just like, whoa, I, I really do have a different perspective because I've actually been in the world and that's okay. But some people are really scared of the world. So we were sitting around this round table and they're talking about social media and about how girls that you have, you have to tell certain people on your team not to dress a certain way because it could be too revealing right. or it could be too crazy. And, and I was sitting there and I promise I was like, my heart was just beating uncontrollably. And I was really scared. I was going to have like a heart attack. Y'all know I'm a hot contract and stuff. And I was just sitting there going, don't say anything. Just don't. Because if I say what do you want to say, what do you want to say? Well, what I wanted to say was hilarious was I was like, I mean, wait a minute, before we talk to girls and say how they shouldn't wear stuff because some dude in the audience might get a boner or start thinking about their boobs, I was like, I mean, we need to put ourselves at least in, the, in their position. I mean, I mean, we are telling these people, you can come to our church, but in a certain way, right? You have to dress a certain way, be a certain way and before you can get on the platform or whatever. And, and, I, and I wanted to say, I was looking around the room, I was like, I, I promise you, you have never seen people who wear more trendy clothes. I, when I walked into the church this morning, every single person, including myself, is the trendiest person that does not look like anybody else in their church. I guarantee you, half, half the people are from Alabama. All the people in the Alabama churches are not dressed with tight pants on, uh, red wing shoes that cost $250 and all this stuff. And I was like, what would you, uh, my brain was saying, what would we do if our pastor came up and goes, hey, listen, the red wing shoes and stuff is causing people to really think that they have to dress that way to be cool and wear those clothes. So from now on, on stage, we need you to wear cargo shorts and Crocs. Cause that's what, <laughs> do you know what worship leaders would do? They'd lose their mind to not be They'd a distraction. Lose their mind if they couldn't look cool. If they didn't have the swoop haircut, <laughs> or anything, they would lose their mind, but we would quickly say, Hey, your dress might be a little too short or something. Now I am for women, women, my daughters, even I'm saying my daughters, I'm going to ask them to, Maybe dress more modestly or don't don't show your goods because some guy's going to want that. But that's my daughter's. And I think we had to at least put ourselves, how would I feel if somebody said, hey, the pants you're wearing are a little too tight, Toby. You're, I mean, that, 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 that's just not the best look for our church. I would be like, whoa, that would catch me completely off guard. So we at least need to kind of start there. And then 
going on from there too, like just talking about worship leaders and leadership. I mean, the church is so involved in like leadership and leadership and leadership. Honestly, I just, it, my job should be a worship starter. I'm okay with being a worship starter. After that, don't look at me. Worship the Lord. I, I mean, if I raise my hand, you're going to copy me? Are you doing what the Lord said? Oh, I, I'll, I'll be a worship starter. Let me, I, hey, I can play the guitar. Just like, I, I mean, that, what in the world do well, I need why to be didn't a, you feel like leader? you could, could say those things in the group? Same reason as Joey, because I, I re- like these people. They're making good points. They see the world a lot differently than me. And so why would I want to mess up the equity that I have with them uh-huh. for some point? But, uh, you know, what, I might Matt, let me give, Matt, let me give you an example. I was invited into a group where we were supposed to talk about millennials and how we can adapt our Sunday morning services to help them in their relationship. and. You know, I started by saying, look, I appreciate y'all having me here, but I'll, I'll say this. I think the conversation's wrong. The millennials are going to mm-hmm. stop coming here. So we don't need to be talking about how to change Sunday morning services. We need to talk about things outside of this. Yeah. And they all looked at me and paused for a second. And then they're like, okay, how do we move on without yeah, like offending Joey? It was like, <laughs> it would have it it been better left unsaid. Exactly. You know, because That's why I left from, it unsaid. I totally understand that. But I think it's funny because you never know how many other people, if everybody's doing that collectively, you get that weird vacuum, though. You know, right. there's the idea that it, there's other people that once, for instance, in a community group, and I got a good story about that. But if you... If everybody's sitting around not being vulnerable or saying stuff that's out of the ordinary, then nobody does. And in a lot of situations, probably not the ones you're describing there, when one person is vulnerable, the other person does. That also translates, you know, I notice in interviews when I listen to them or study them that that's the case too. And in community groups for sure, but it doesn't always. So that's the weird thing about it. But usually I think I find it good when somebody will volunteer and be themselves because you never know how many other people in the group were thinking the same thing, but everybody does this higher minded thing but the funniest example i know of this situation was matt mcdonald was telling me toby you know the story don't you the one where he was at being like a small group leader so funny (laughs) i think he was leading a small group but he is contrarian at least as much and that's matt mcdonald from bc music classic crime and all he um lives here in seattle was leading a small group but he's real contrarian in the same way that you guys think, I think most people do in a lot of situations, they're thinking some contrarian way and they're just feel compelled to balance it out. But then they right, either it's bite contrarian their in a sense, you want to be honest, right? Like, well, just, both, right. yeah, both honest and like, <laughs> make just a little, be honest, right? No shame. Yeah. And yeah. you're trying to make a little elbow room. Like if I can right. say something obnoxious <laughs> and true, then the person beside me goes, Oh, well I can say the less obnoxious thing now. So it really right. does clear out space for others, which is why I think is valuable. But here's what he did. He, they were talking about something, and drugs or something like that in their small group and people were starting to open up a little bit and he was leading it and so then he starts telling them that he's done cocaine before <laughs> as a christian yeah definitely <laughs> and so he's told him, he told him that he's done cocaine before and that really it's not near as crazy as you think which is his point like he's feeling right. a group of people who are overreacting to something like drugs and so Although he wasn't trying to advocate everybody should do cocaine, he said, you know what? I'm going to just tell it. Why wouldn't I just tell the truth here? I've done cocaine. I don't think it's as crazy as you think it is. And he said it just fell apart. (laughs) (laughs) It just destroyed everything. And then soon he was – that was pretty much the dividing line, the way they reacted to that and some others. I don't know. Maybe I'm telling – I'm not telling his story. I don't mean to tell the story wrong. He can come on and clarify it because I don't know the details. Yeah, that's a pretty intense (laughs) story to make a mistake with. (laughs) That's crazy. I mean, I think I I would – 
I would, on the behalf of the people attending a small group, I would definitely understand why shit hit the fan. I mean, that's like a. But I don't. Here, I mean, I, I don't. The, I mean, if it was if it was with me and you and Toby sitting around, and he said that, which we have discussed it with him before too. Then we don't fall apart at that. Right, you don't have no, to no, fall no. apart at that. I agree that you don't have to. I just get why they did. I think. I mean, that that's that's a part of meeting people kind of where they're at, and I think what Toby is has challenged me before as far as like how I communicate mm. my crazy Unpack thoughts. Unpack it, Joey. It's not going to do any good, you know, with people that are so far removed from what you're saying. If you want, if you want what you're saying to be fruitful, then you got to kind of meet them halfway. I understand or, that, or but it's a waste of time. I do understand that, and I'm I'm saying yes, totally waste of time. But it's only the only way I can respect that point of view is when you realize it's purely a waste of your yeah, time because sense. it is the right thing to do. And I would simply say, anybody does a podcast, anybody, let's talk about Kurt Cobain or a director or an artist. Have you ever wanted that person to be less honest and more careful, ever? Would you ever want somebody that's, and for that matter, do you really want anybody to be less honest with you in general, especially somebody who's either leading or doing something or has something important to say? You just don't. Right. You don't ever think, well, I'm a musician, so I better be more careful with this art or, or, you know, even as a person that you're talking to in the store, you wish they would just tell you the truth. You just do. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe you don't. Maybe you want to kind of be lied to and have this bubble that you live yeah. in. Okay. Like, uh, That's I mean, your choice. It, it, I agree. That's your choice. But yes. isn't that isn't that just a little bit of human nature? Like you just want to go, yeah, you know, I'm an American. This mm -hmm. is what I don't care, you know, about the rest of the world. Yeah, somebody died from a bomb or whatever, you know. Or That's true. It's rough. I mean, it's easy to live in some kind of bubble. And so... I get it, but at the same time, that only keeps you in that bubble. Well, so I there think is no growth. And that's what, like, it, it, how awesome is it? What small group do you go to where somebody goes, yeah, I tried cocaine. I don't, it's not that crazy. Like, you don't get that. And so you need somebody like you want that. Or I, I think, I don't know. Maybe you don't. If you don't want it, okay, I understand. But well, that's what I'm saying. Like, even our, our guest coming up, Perry Noble, like, I want him to say crazy things to Gamecock fans or, yeah. Uh, mess up on stage or whatever. Like those things are endearing and like real and it means something like that's way better. I mean, that, that, that's why I think porn is so detrimental. It's fake. It's not real. It, the woman always orgasms and has the greatest sex ever in the history of the world. And it looks so awesome. Every guy goes, Oh, that's what sex should be. Except yeah. for that's not what, when you actually have sex, you go, Oh wait, it's sometimes when you first do it, it's awkward and it's uncomfortable and you have to work through things and you talk about stuff and figure stuff out so that it could be good. And so that, why would our faith in God and stuff not That's be a an interesting thing? You're saying sometimes with Christianity, we fall into a fantasy, if you will, yes. about ideal Christian life, and, which is, totally. I didn't know what you were saying at first. So it makes sense. So in porn, well, I just love this, talking about porn. Yeah. So I'm sorry about it's that. It's just this <laughs> idealized version of a life that you see the, the thing, and it's not realistic, but you buy into that bubble. So if you want right. to buy into that Christian bubble or the one where you have to apologize for saying crap, I feel the responsibility to not like I feel like I'm letting that, that person down to say, well, I'll just let it go yeah. in a way. I do feel that way. But I, I yeah. understand also I don't want to ruin my counseling session. So not criticism of you, Joey, but yeah. quite interesting to explore. Can we, we need to move on because I think we got Perry's yeah, coming go. in. So he's, he's trying to beep in right now. So let me run. Uh, we'll chop it and take a break here and, and jump right back in with Perry. Joey, Jess is going to visit her mom next week oh, yeah? um, for hip replacement surgery. Her mother's having hip replacement sur surgery. And is Jessica um, giving her her hip? Yeah, no, it's like a she, you donation, like a liver. No, like you don't have to donate hip. it. Okay. Um, uh, and whatever. honestly, I'm a little nervous to be with three kids by myself for over a week, 10 days. 
But there is one saving grace. What's that? I don't know how to cook. That's a good That's thing. not a saving grace. I mean, you're going to starve. Well, here's the thing. You need to know how to cook, and I need to know my way. I need to learn my way, I guess, around the kitchen. But guess what? I don't have to. And Why I'm going to do it. What are you going to do? I'm going to do it easier and healthier than I would. And here's the craziest thing. I'm going to save money. Good you're not making gosh. any sense. I think maybe you're going to have to resort to fast food or something cheap. Then. No, I'm I not. Mean, just... I'm going to get the best meals. Guess what? From Blue Apron delivered oh, right to my door. Yeah. Now, this, this, oh, my here's gosh. where it's amazing. My wife's out of town. Do you think I could? I cannot. But do you think, is there any chance I could take my three kids with me to the grocery store to get groceries? Hell to the no. And then also, would I even pick <laughs> out the right stuff? No, I mean, there's no. no chance. I mean, it's unbelievable. This is why Blue Apron's so cool. It comes right to my door for less than $10 per meal. Blue Apron delivers all those fresh ingredients to create home-cooked meals at home. Wait a second. That's got to take forever, though, doesn't it? No. You just follow easy step-by-step instructions, and each meal can be prepared in 40 minutes or less. 40 minutes or less? No overwhelming trips to that grocery store and no more sad takeout. No matter your dietary preferences. And my kids are picky. That's crazy. I don't know if your kids are. Think about it this way. You know we're on a diet, and I I eat pretty much ketogenic all the time in our family. Here's what we had last week from Blue Apron. Pork chops over goat cheese. Mm. We had pork chops over goat cheese polenta with English peas, pearl onions, and mint. And so that in itself is pretty close to anybody's diet if you're avoiding sugars. And it's great protein. The pork chop was excellent. I love it. And uh, for our family, that's just perfect. So it d- totally gets our, hits our diet right. We're able to make adjustments if we need to. We learn how to cook. We learn techniques. And man, it's more fresh ingredients than I've ever gotten when I've gone to the store Anyway, so here's the thing. They're all between 507 calories per portion. They're delicious and good for you. And right now, and you're crazy if you hadn't done this yet, right now is the time you can get your first two meals for free, two free meals at blueapron.com slash badchristian. That's blueapron.com slash badchristian. Blue Apron is a better way to cook. All right. Now, here's the other thing. You know what the other thing my kids always want? What? Snacks. Yeah, they they snack. I prom- it is hilarious. Like, we give them, like, we, they eat lunch, and then they take a nap. And then, seriously, they wake up, like, an, an hour later, and they're like, snack. I'm starving. Snack. snack. Yeah. I, don't know how, I don't know how we're going to afford it. But here is what we're doing right now, and this is what's awesome, and, and it's going to be around forever. So I think I got the solution. It's Nature Box. Totally. Nature Box delivers fresh, healthy snacks right to my door again. I love this idea these days where you can get all these things that are so good for you, so healthy, so awesome, delivered right to your door, and I don't have to worry about lugging three kids around. And honestly, mm-hmm. no, I don't have to sit there and go through each of the ingredients on a box going, oh, no, oh, this has this. That's right. Nature Box has over 100 ridiculously delicious snacks that they source from all over the world for you to choose from. Think about it this way. If your wife is out of town, that is a really funny thought to think. Ike, Ruby, and June are hungry, and they're yelling and screaming at you, fighting, and you say, "We got, I got to get them some food. So you're going to get the three of them, right? get them in the car, drive. I mean, in today's world, that's insane. Drive to the grocery store, pick out stuff that's probably not going to be good for you, waste the gas, waste the time. You know how it is getting them in and out of the car and all the way back home, and then right. o- open up some box of crap that you got at the store. Or oh, you can totally. just be prepared. First of all, some people are single parents anyway. So I know your your wife's out of town this week, but it still makes almost no sense if you can have stuff that you can rely on that you know is good and have it straight to your door when you've chosen it ahead of time. That's just called preparation. It's just called common sense. Oh, totally. So my kids love peanut butter. They love snacks. So I got a whole wheat lemon uh, figgy bars. 
I got uh, peanut butter graham jam on the way. I How about mean, the whole wheat chocolate chip cookie bites? Oh, gosh. I mean, I'm just saying, all this stuff is just... My too, favorite is the roasted kettle kernel. It, it's almost too hard to set, to choose. Like, that's what's so cool about it. And you get to. You can you can get all kinds of different, like we said, over 100. So you listeners right there, go to naturebox.com forward slash bad Christian right now and get 50% off your first box of delicious and unique snacks without any of the junk. That's naturebox.com forward slash bad Christian for 50% off your first box of the best tasting snacks in the world. Joey, hit them one more time with that. Um, I can't. Because you're eating your snacks. Golly, you're eating Nature Box right now. That's tight, dog. Naturebox.com forward slash bad Christian for 50% off now. All right, you guys, you know what I'm getting excited about as well? What's that? Not my wife going out of town. Uh, <laughs> other, other than that. Although part of me thinks it's going to be fun with no kids. One thing that I am with, really excited about. With no about wife and kids, you mean? Do what you said with no kids? You you be oh, at home with yeah. your kids oh, and yeah. no wife, it, which is which is quite exciting. And so no, I agree. Yeah, I'm actually excited. Jess is really worried and concerned that I like <laughs> she'll come back and one kid's gone or something like that. But I'm happy. But one thing I am really looking forward to is my wife returning and, and then you going out of audio town. feed festival. Yeah. Oh, it's going yeah. to be so so cool. Well, it's especially be a bad Christian day. Yeah, especially because there's a bad Christian day that's going to be full of us bad Christian folks. And you know what? Bad Christian folks extends to Emory. Devin, mm-hmm. uh, Matt and Toby music, uh, the uh, Bad Christian podcast. And you know what's cool is a lot of former podcast guests are going to be there doing their own thing. Who are we going to pick to be the podcast guest? I mean, you got Propaganda, Preston Sprinkle. Lunsford will be there. All. Yeah, a lot of these guys are going to be out there. It's going to be a great time. Lots of music. Uh, Matt, what's the website they can go to? Oh, well, it's real simple, badchristianday.com. But let me tell you all something. I don't know if you all know this or not, but Lunsford's new book is coming out at Audio Feed Festival. That's not, no you way. Can say, I didn't yeah, know you that. Can have the, you can just let that be an announcement. Lunsford's new book, it's about Emory. It's an unauthorized uh, book about Emory that he's re- finishing writing, and we're going to get the pre-order up and stuff eventually. But it, the first people that get it, or the first time it'll be available for public will be at audio feed festival. So he'll be there. I'm That's sure we'll awesome. talk about that and that'll be a good thing unless we re- read it and wind up, you know, scrapping the project. I'm a little bit nervous about it, but that's going to be, I'm scared. So I'm too. sure maybe he'll <laughs> we'll do, have some different people guests on the episode we do there, but more importantly, we're going to meet everybody. So anybody that could possibly drive to Urbana, Illinois, which is about two and a half hours from where Cornerstone was, uh, start figuring out your travel, rent your car. Yeah, it's a holiday. You got to take yeah. vacation. Come to this. It's a uh, June 30th through july 3rd and bad christian day is on july 2nd the whole day is emory's gonna play um matt and toby and Devin are gonna do an acoustic set we're gonna do the podcast it's gonna be great it's gonna be a good time and please do go to badchristianday.com and buy your ticket through there if you do that then it helps it'll help validate us we get a percentage of that and it'll help uh let us know that it was a good idea to do a bad christian day at a festival and i'm feeling like it's a good idea Hey, some of you old school Tooth and Owl fans, The Blamed is going to be there. Isn't that kind of cool? Yeah, yeah very school. cool. Audio Feed Festival. Check it out. I don't know how to do this. They People have to do this for me. So it's crazy. Well, we got um, you now. Hey, guys, thank y'all so much for redoing this thing. I got no so problem. sick last time, and it was like one of those things that hit me out of the – and I felt like a douchebag, and so the fact that you guys would – Rescheduled means a lot to me. Well, we're glad to do it. I saw on Twitter where you had, uh, you went, uh, you posted this morning that you did a sleep study last night. I did. How did that go? (laughs) I did, man. It was, um, 
I don't know. They bring you into this room. They hook you up with all these wires and it's a strange mm-hmm. bed and it's a strange environment. And I didn't fit on the bed. And, um, and so it was like, it was a little bit crazy, but I think they're able to read the study and they're going to tell me what's wrong with me tomorrow. So I'm excited. Were you having problems with sleeping or sleep apnea or something? I have, I haven't slept through the night probably, um, probably 10 times in my life. Oh my God. Like, Dang. Good Lord. So I didn't know. How long do you stay awake? Well, I, Lucretia, when we got married, she was like, why do you always get up? And I'm like, why do you not get up? (laughs) Harry, people sleep through the night. And I'm like, no, they don't. And so I didn't even know it was a normal thing until I started, uh, until I got married. And Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, okay. Well, I thought everybody got up in the middle of the night. Hey, so Perry, on a scale of one to 10, 10 being the happiest ever, zero being devastated. What's your reaction to Clemson season? I don't know if you know, all three of us are huge Clemson fans. I'm about a 9.5. Yeah. Like being totally happy with it because Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, nobody picked us to go that far. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. The only disappointing part was being so close. That's the only thing. Just like, Oh, how nice would it have been to be sitting on top right now? Well, it's two plays. We were two plays. It was a um, it was a kickoff that Onside Nick kick. Saban yeah. has, you know, I mean that that was the ballsiest call I've ever seen when he that mm-hmm. onside kick, and then the interception that Deshaun threw. Uh, if if he put if there's six more inches on that ball, that's right. a touchdown, and we're up 14 points. But that Alabama defensive back made an unbelievable play, mm-hmm. um, and so I'm. I and I hate Alabama. I do, and I'm saying that Suzanne's here, and she loves Alabama, but she's okay. a fake Alabama fan. And you mean even the states, just even the people in the state, <laughs> yeah, the people, right? everything. We're with you. <laughs> well, Perry, the Clemson Tiger thing, we couldn't be more in agreement on. I was uh, totally in. You know, I had the. It was the most freeing thing to watch a game, being knowing that it was the final game, and there was no future yep. riding on it. So I really did enjoy that game, even though the disappointing outlook. But your love of Clemson Tigers is something. I don't know what stuff we agree on and don't, but that one we certainly can. And my what favorite thing from you all year long was when you bashed Spurrier on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, that was incredible. And I want to talk about that a little bit. Not, I, I want to move off of sports specifically, but you put made a tweet that said something to the effect of, well, can you remember what the original tweet was? I said, um, props to the Carolina Gamecocks. They didn't quit today like their former head coach. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and hindsight, I would, I would still do the tweet. I just wouldn't, um, well, I don't know. I enjoyed responding. Well, it that's, was like, that's what I wanted uh, to yeah. talk about. So basically, from my point of view, what happened was I, uh, it took me a while to track down the original tweet, but I saw that you were getting in trouble on Twitter from a lot of people. But the thing about it that made me so happy was most of the time people say something, then it's controversial or somebody doesn't like it, and then they should know better than to respond to it. They really should. And and you certainly know should know what you're doing, I would assuming, that you'll just bring more on yourself. To, but usually people get serious about defending it and they say, well, but actually it's this, and this is why this, and this is my freedom in this. But what you did was so much better than that. Instead of just getting down to their level, you just stayed on your train of I'm free to say whatever I want to. I'm not going to be silenced. And so you just took these people on one at a time, but the tone of all of your tweets to them stayed, you know, true and fun. You didn't get agitated and escalate. You were just 
being fun and funny. The guy obviously sitting on his couch after watching a football game and talking like a guy sitting on his couch watching a football game would address people one at a time if they said something to him. And so I love that. This was not Pastor Perry Noble. This was Perry. And that was his point. He made that clear through a string of things. And I thought that was great because people were saying you shouldn't. It's just this weird fake thing in Christianity where there's some appearance of something because of you're a public figure, you can't have an opinion or you need to never talk like a regular person or something. And you do a great job of breaking that. I mean, it's not a fourth wall exactly, but you better than almost anybody I know that's a a large celebrity, mega pastor, whatever. I don't know what your category is, but you do a better job of breaking that, what I'm calling a fourth wall for lack of a better term there and showing some real humanity. And I love that. It's one of those things where people will tell you that, you know, you shouldn't have an opinion, but the only time they say that is when your opinion doesn't agree with theirs. Mm-hmm. Right, um, right. So uh, who, you know, you shouldn't have a political opinion. Well, the only people that say that are the ones that are scared to death that my political opinion and theirs might not match up. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. shouldn't have an opinion about sports. You shouldn't have an opinion about this. And I'm like, good gosh, when I got saved, I didn't turn my opinions in at the door. Mm-hmm. Um, right. You know, it's just golly bomb. Do you think do you think more pastors in your position like you rub shoulders with a lot of them I'm sure you see a lot of them on social media do you ever get frustrated wishing man I, I, why can't they just be a little more real in public do you think that's a problem in church is people at the highest level not revealing their true colors enough I think it's a generational thing um I so my pastor um the guy that I received Christ under his ministry probably one of the godliest men I've ever known, um, respect him more than just about anybody on the planet. He recently just passed away. Um, but I remember him telling me in a, you know, in a mentorship type thing, you can't tell people what you're struggling with. You can't be real. You mm-hmm. can't. And if you'll think about the pastors in the eighties and the nineties, um, especially anybody that was involved in church world, then um, the pastor was always the hero of the illustration. You know, I got up this morning, read my Bible, walked on water, multiplied loaves. Um, and it, it was just this thing. So I just, I kind of discovered, stumbled onto it by accident, that people can connect way more with my failures than they can my successes. They mm-hmm. connect way more with my weaknesses than my strengths. And so for me, I've just discovered, man, I just want to connect with people. And I don't want I don't want people walking out of church going, man, that guy's really smart. I want them walking out of church going, man, I think I I think I want to come back because that guy's he got mad in traffic last week and mm-hmm. got mad in traffic last week. So, but there are still lines that you have to maintain and stuff like that. Given the amount of eyes on you, do you wish that you could be even more free than you, you are? Know, you know what I I'm I made the decision. Years ago, when this thing started taking off, I'm just gonna be I'm just gonna be me. So we legitimately have people that'll email the church, and um, one of my favorite things to do is I you know, I just don't like cats. And when I say I don't, like cats, <laughs> I'm not a, I don't wish animal cruelty on cats. Mm-hmm. I just don't like cats, and so I'll make fun of cats. And we've had people email the church and say, um, if you make fun of cats again, we're gonna leave the church. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> Sunday, I'll say something about cats because I'm not I'm not going to be controlled. I'm 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 going to be um I'm just going to I'm I'm trying my best to just be as real as possible. I think that too, but I wonder where the where the limits are because we we you know change our speech all over the place. For instance, when you first got on this call, you said 
you said something about douchebag, which I'd be glad to edit or leave. I don't know if you knew we we're rolling there or whatever, but you use douchebag. So I think that's cool. That's that's like a common language to us, a word we would use too. And this interview is already going really great. And I feel like we're on the same page for a lot of stuff. And I bet you we would have a great time, the four of us, if we went on a camping trip together for three days. I believe that. Now, I don't know, man, because I don't camp. Well, something, let's just imagine we, the, the Vegas, imagine, imagine the four of us go and do something for a weekend, maybe go to Vegas or something. I bet the conversation and language and stuff that we would do would be, I bet we'd be really on the same page with the way that we talk and things we joke about and find funny. I believe we'd be pretty similar on the same page, but I'm sure some of that activity and behavior and ways would be ways that you would possibly guard from your Twitter account or videos of you online. Wouldn't you think? No, I mean, because when I, so for example, when I went out of Las Vegas in um, December, I tweeted, hey, in Vegas, enjoying my time out here. Um, I really, I really try not to hide um, the things I do because this is, this is what I feel. Um, If I'm afraid to put it on social media, maybe I shouldn't do it because Mm -hmm. somebody out there has a phone and they, they could, they could put it on social media. So, um, just trying to live above approach, even on even on social media. So, do you feel like though, like that? This is a really good question, though. Do, so, you do feel you are you more aware, being a pastor of a, a mega church, multi site church? You do. Are you more aware of self censorship then? Like, you can't totally be fully Perry, or you think you are fully Perry? No, no, I'm no. That's a great question. I'm totally aware of it. So, let's say that somebody says something. Um, to me, like um, at reply on Twitter, and um, it's a it's a critical tweet, um, mm-hmm. and, and it's not like a it's not inquisitive. I mean, people go when people go, could you explain that? That that doesn't bother me. It's like yeah. you yeah. are a heretic, wolf in sheep's clothing. Da 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 da. Right, um, right. Which I, if I had a nickel for every time I've been called a wolf in sheep's clothing, I would pay off the national debt. <laughs> but I just. My first instinct always with a person, because I'm a fighter. I, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I grew, I mean, I was homeless in high school. Mom passed away. My dad, I saw him get arrested right in front of my eyes. And so I've, I know what it's like to kind of scrap. And um, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a bit scrappy and I'm a, I'm a bit, um, sometimes I'm a bit quick witted. I've never really said, oh my gosh, what I should have said was this. I'm always the guy that's like, crap, I shouldn't have said that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so my first instinct when I see something like that is to jump on them and just be like, hey, let me tell you why you're an idiot. And <laughs> there's seven reasons why you're wrong and that. But I was like, you know, as soon as I do that, I've just wasted my time and I've wasted the people that follow me online. I've wasted their time. And mm-hmm. so that I do have to edit myself then. I have yeah. to be like, yeah. all right, calm down. They don't have any friends. It must be really hard to <laughs> to decide what those lines and stuff are. Like, well, how about this one? I, I'm for sure there's some line that you don't cross here, and that'd be financial, for instance. Yes. Right. So, what? Uh, we'll see how you decline this question. How much do you make, Perry? <laughs> <laughs> how much? What's your salary? Man, I'm one of the richest guys in the world. <laughs> I am. I'm, I'm just, I'm, oh, I, when I go home, mega church pastors, we go home and we roll in gold. Um, <laughs> which, which home do you go home to usually? <laughs> um, several, right? was, I, I, that's the other thing is I have to choose between my homes because we're just so blessed. And, ah, hey, that, brings up a, that brings up a good point. A lot of people listening may not even 
you know, know who Perry Noble is. When did you start New Spring and how in the hell did it get so big so fast? Like, did, was it almost like a overnight elevation Stephen Furtick kind of church sensation that just grew right away? Did you guys go through some growing pains? But y'all have how many people right now? We, um, this past Sunday, we had 32,000. Uh, On Easter, okay. the week before, we had like 56, I think. Um, there that many people in South Carolina? There's not really. We've got people coming over from North Carolina right now. Um, it's it's one of those things where so 1999 started with 15 people in a living room, um, and they the experts say church growth experts say that within two years you will have half of your core group gone. Like half the people that start the church with you will be gone. Um, but I'm I'm a I've always been somebody that wanted to excel in life. So instead of two years, it took us two months to run off half the core. I mean, <laughs> including, and all of them gave. And so we were broke and poor and we had no money, but we had a lot of vision. And here's what we wanted to do. We wanted to do church different. I wanted a church where I could bring my non-Christian friends and they didn't feel like they were like weird. They felt like they could come back. Oh yeah, we can go back to that place. I don't know if I believe everything they believe, but I think I'd like to go back to that place because it was kind of fun. Yeah. Um, and so in 2000, we grew, but it, you know, we had a hundred, you know, 110, 115 people. Um, 2001, same thing. We moved into the auditorium that sat, um, we were in a room that sat about 150 people comfortably. And we went to an auditorium that sat 1100 and the first Sunday in there, we had 188. Um, second Sunday, we had like 346. Soon after that, uh, 9-11 took place. Uh, so September 11th, we had, after September 11th, we had 441 people. Wow. Uh, yeah. So it, it grew that year. But then 2002, we're at the four and the 500 mark. And then August of 2002, um, in fact, August 11th, 2002, we had 504 people at church. The next week we had 970, and within six weeks we're at 1600, and nobody knows why. And guys, when I say that, I'm being as honest as possible. No, we didn't, we couldn't afford. Um, th there was no social media because all of us had freaking dial up at the time. There was no uh, billboards, no TV ads, no anything. It just caught fire, and we've had a couple seasons like that that's happened in our church. And it's so when you say what's caused the growth at New Spring. Dude, I'm scratching my freaking head because mm -hmm. I think they give the wrong guy the microphone every week. And so I, I'm, I'm just glad, I'm just glad my wife still shows up. So, <laughs> so, you, so you're super sharp on those numbers. It seems like your numbers through and through, so, which is sometimes a criticism for, for mega churches and stuff like that is number focus. And so back to the, what I was talking about before, how how does that work out for you to, that you're so detailed on those numbers, but then at some point you don't disclose all information and financials and numbers and stuff like that? Yeah. Like what, I mean, what do you use to, to decide what stuff's helpful for people to know and talk about numbers wise and not? The numbers are so meaningful because when you plant a church, you pretty much live by the numbers and die by the numbers. Um, I've had some pastors say, we're not really into the numbers. And I'm telling them, if you're not into the numbers, then stop taking an offering. Uh -huh. um, don't, don't send out giving statements. Don't track those numbers because if you're not into the numbers, um, honestly, the reason, so we don't disclose um, individual salaries, uh -huh. but it's for any staff member. It's not just mine. And it goes all the way back to a conversation that I had 
1997, before we even started New Spring. So I'm working at a small um, Southern Baptist church, making about sixteen, seventeen thousand dollars a year. Um, absolutely breaking the bank. Um, no health insurance or anything. Just kind of there. And um, I, I got there was a girl in the church, and she lived in Colorado, and she invited me and a dude to go out to Colorado with her um, for spring break. Mm-hmm. So me and another dude, we flew out there. Um, we bought a ticket for, I think it was 198 bucks. Um, we didn't have to pay for a place to stay. We didn't have to pay for hardly any meals. We just flew out to Colorado. And the, and the next week, I'm, at, I'm on stage making announcements like, hey, guys, you know, da, da, da. And by the way, I was in Colorado this week. It was so much fun. Well, afterwards, there's this little old lady, and um, she she did this about once a month. It was God's call on her life to make me miserable, and um, she did a great job. And she she came up to me, and she said, um, did you say you went to Colorado? And I said, yes, ma'am, I did. And she said, um, well, according to the the business meeting minutes, you make sixteen thousand dollars a year, and I just don't see how you could afford to go to Colorado. I think we're paying you too much. And I laughed, and she didn't. <laughs> And I said, these people are monitoring. So I would have people make comments about the car I drive or whatever. Uh-huh. And so as a leader, I just said, you know what? I'm not going to subject my staffs and their lifestyle to um, the opinions of everybody that shows up. Because mm-hmm. people that ask, um, how much do you make to me or any staff member? They're not asking it because they think we don't make enough. And the same people that would be questioning the the salary of a staff member. Um, my, my question is this, where were you when I was homeless? Where were you when I didn't have a meal? Where were you when I couldn't freaking afford um, a jacket during the winter? And I'm not making that up. That's legit. I couldn't afford a jacket one winter. So where, where were you when all that was going on? Like, how concerned are you really mm-hmm. about? Yeah, I see your point there. What about if in the future, like, it becomes a uh... I, you know, I kind of feel like with transparency going the way it is, even in the corporate world and then the way that new companies are doing, I think salary disclosures might be a more common thing from from secular companies even. You think that might impact the way the secular world goes, might impact the churches? It could. It could. It's just one of those things that I just tell people. I've had a uh, side conversation with people when they go, how much do you make? And I just go, how much do you make? <laughs> <laughs> when I turn the table, people don't like it. Yeah, they um, don't. Right. And uh, and I've literally had people say, well, I pay your salary. And um, I'm not trying to be a, a smart aleck, but I always go, well, you know what? If you pay my salary, then you know how much I make. What do you think, though? Like, I think uh, one of the things, too, talk, just talking about this is, do you think <laughs> that... Um, it gets people into trouble, like like the big hoopla a while back with Stephen Furtick and his house or or whatever it might be. Like part of me thinks nobody probably would, would give a damn if he was just talking about it for all the time. And maybe he did. Is it is it like a weird thing where as soon as somebody hears about it, they just get mad or something like is, is it that big of a deal? Because uh, we've heard all of us. I mean, you too. I mean, uh, since the time I was little about pastors having jets or whatever it might be. And TV I, I don't people think, stealing I, your money. Right, right, right. So yeah. the, the the danger I see is it does I I literally I, I think most people too don't care what a pastor makes like if it if yeah, it's exorbitant and just outrageous and they're just billionaires or something okay but a pastor does a lot they they deserve money I mean that's biblical that's that's totally fine I don't care how much a pastor makes as long as it, as 
that they own their money and and not. But do you see like do you see that ever with like uh, we always make fun of Joey because he's a pastor, but like your kind, do they get in trouble a lot with not talking about their money enough? I think the people that that come after guys and their salary are people that are, if it wasn't the salary, they would have something else to come after yeah, us yeah, right, about. That's uh, true. Do you think there is an, any objective limit to what it could or should be? Yeah. The problem, the problem with pastors um, is, is not that most of them are overpaid. It's most of them are grossly underpaid. Mm-hmm, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, with 80 to 85% of the pastors dropping out, of the ministry. I mean, they don't retire from it. Um, it's because they get worked to death and they have to take a vow of poverty. Um, and I just, so, so for me, what we did is we got a team set up in the church, non-staff members. Yeah. Um, and, and they hire an attorney separate from us. So the church isn't connected with it. Um, the attorney hires a, uh, accounting, accounting firm. The accounting firm does an independent survey research, brings it back to the attorney. The attorney brings it back to the team, and none of these guys are on staff. And then they set the salary for me based on an attorney's recommendation that mm-hmm. came from a, um accounting firm's recommendation. So there's like three or four levels away from me. Um, I don't get the report. I don't see it. I don't. I, there's, I have nothing to do with it. And then they set my salary, and it's based on fair compensation. Sure. Um, yeah, I've made argument before that you probably should be paid more in the same way that Roger Goodell should pay, get paid more because of the, the, the possible, you know, the total growth under, of the NFL, you know, as a percentage since the time he's been there. So I yeah, totally that, that, def- defend those things. I, like, like, like you just said, you went, to, you went to Vegas, and you had to be a pastor and aware of certain things even then, maybe while you're having fun. So that's the thing. I, don't, I, I really don't think it's – the the gross overpay thing is just a a actually I think kind of a fantasy that nobody really cares. It just kind of hits the time. But I do think like, what if every pastor, no matter what, at least all the mega church pastors are like, hey, we'll never make more than this, and that way you don't have to ask anybody. You know, they're not making more than two billion dollars or five hundred thousand dollars or whatever it might be. You know what I mean? Like just cap two. That's a good number. Two billion. You put the cap there. (laughs) Is there is there danger in that idea that I just had? Like if if you said, hey, no matter what, no matter how big your church gets, you never make more than seven hundred fifty thousand dollars. Is that like is that a bad idea? You know, I, I don't. For me personally, I mean, I'll just be honest with you guys. Um, and I'm you're being hey, you're being honest to like twenty five thousand people, but I'll ahead, be honest with you guys and twenty five other thousand people. <laughs> we won't tell anybody. I, and, you know, and I won't give specifics here, but I, me and Lucretia, we wind up giving most of our stuff away. Um, I come from a a poor background. She comes from a very poor background, and so we have a house right now. I'm be, man. We never thought we'd live in this house. Now you can go online and research it. We paid for the property and the house and everything. We paid $470,000, or maybe it's four hundred seventy-one. I don't know. Actually, we didn't pay it. We're still paying it, um, and you you guys know that, right? Um, but it, I, good gosh, man, it's not the nicest house sure. in the neighborhood, and uh, we've we've had people criticize that. Oh, God, if you love Jesus, would you live in a $470,000 house? And I always go back to, yeah. I was freaking homeless. Where were you? Where were yeah. you? <laughs> The only- nobody, nobody can say anything to you when you say that. But that's what I'm saying, though. But that, that's normal. A four hundred seventy thousand. That's nothing. That is well, not, cra- that, that that isn't crazy at all. Where you live and all that stuff. That's what I'm saying. Like, part of me thinks, like, 
I, I'm really, I hope you hear this as a compliment. Part of me thinks like, I want you to know it's kind of badass to me to like, I want, part of me thinks like, why can't people be more, you know, like, like you or, or our pastor, Greg Sarat, he, he's pretty legit with money. Like, I mean, he really is. And, and it feels like one of the, that money is like one of the biggest things that get pastors. I mean, mm. if, whenever I hear anybody that's not a Christian, they go, yeah, pastors just want your money. I went, I tried yeah. to go to church and all they did was ask me for some money. And well, pastor, like, that, that's why I really respect like people like you and Greg Surratt, where you're like, you're not trying to do that. You're not trying to live crazy. And also you work your butts off. You really do. Well, it's it's, it's like the, the, the danger for pastors in any ministry leader is, is when you allow money to control you. Right. And I've never allowed that. The vision's not for sale. Um, when, when we started the church, the person that gave about 80 to 85% of the budget left before we even did our first service because our church wasn't going in the way they were going. And I had to make that decision. I had to let them walk knowing, oh my gosh, that that's a lot of money. Like they mm-hmm. legitimately gave 80 to 85%, but the vision's not for sale. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I'm not impressed with money. And you know, if God forbid, if the, if we hit the skids and the economy crashed, I would, I would show up and do this stuff and, and figure out how to eat. Like, yep, I, right. like I love what I do. No, that's clear. So you seem to be doing that at such a hyper-efficient level. This is a good a mega church in general question. But you've, in a sense, if you just looked at it as anything else or business, I mean, you're taking over the state of South Carolina and the Southeast. My question is, if you, could, if you keep getting better and better at this, and it keeps growing and on fire like it was back when it was 100 to 300 to 900, I mean, what would be the limit to how big that you would want to be if it keeps being successful like that? Like, if you're just seem to be more efficient, run better, give people better experiences than everybody else in the marketplace. You know, some people go, um, when they talk about the size of the church, they're like, well, I hope, I hope the church doesn't get too big. And I'm like, well, you know, nobody ever says that about the United Way. Oh, my gosh, I hope the United Way didn't get too big because mm-hmm. they could have way more. I hope the Salvation Army doesn't get too big because, oh, my gosh, I hope— Oh my gosh, I hope the Clemson football stadium, we're going to add 10 more thousand seats. Oh my gosh, that's a little too big. Right. Um, and so my thing is, man, as long as we're seeing people meet Jesus and lives are being changed, I don't want to put a limit on it. And so I don't think, I don't think we'll be the only church in South Carolina because there's just, there's just some people, listen, they love Jesus and they, they're, I mean, they love him. But, but you'd, you'd be happy if 78% of Christians in South Carolina attended Perry Noble's church. Well, that'd be good from your point of view. Considering the fact we got about an 80 to 85 percent non church attendance rate, yeah, that wouldn't bother me at all. (laughs) (laughs) I'm talking about out of all, if there there are, let's say, busted. (laughs) But I'm saying, if they, if they, if almost every Christian was a part of your thing, that would be a win for you. No, no, because it's, it's just like, for example, there's some guys out there that are super uber reformed and they love reformed theology. Mm-hmm. Um, they're never going to feel like they fit at New Spring because I'm I, I don't know if I'm reformed. I, honestly, if I'm reading Romans nine, I guess I am. But if I'm reading John three sixteen, I guess I'm not. So, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, and I won't fight about it. There's some people that um, they really are charismatic and they love Jesus and they're probably never going to feel at home at our church because we don't have tambourines and we don't have um, we, we, we're just not going to run around and and speak in tongues but they are and they love jesus and that's going to be their church and so i just want people who um are far from god and who don't know christ and who maybe are a little burnt out on church that's who i'm trying to reach 
Perry, um, I know uh, we want to honor your time. I know it's it's wrapping up somewhat soon. So I, I wanted to ask you a question. The three of us are connected in some way, shape, or form with Mars Hill Church or the former Mars Hill Church. Matt attended there for like a decade plus. Both of them worked as volunteers, paid staff, and that sort of thing. I, I attended there, listened to the podcast and all that stuff. So I would I would call the three of us Mark Driscoll supporters from a standpoint of loving the dude, appreciating what he's meant to our families and our growth individually. Um, Go ahead, Joey. You set it up. You? I think we lost you. Do we lose you right before after your big wow. setup there? I know it's, it's going to be the. the I know. Whammo. I was like, "Wow, oh, Joey's about to I do it here." Was going. It could have gone like three or four. Different I know. We're waiting to see. Lean Did we really lose him? Will he come back? Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I, I can probably finish his question. Take it away, Toby. <laughs> Go, Toby. Well, well, so I worked at, at Mars Hill for a year, and <laughs> Matt Matt was a worship leader at Mars Hill, and probably one of the most influential years of my life. And I attended Mars Hill before then, too. Um, and one of the most influential, seriously, influential times of my life. I feel like I grew as a man and as a husband and all this stuff. But some real bad stuff went down there. And then, uh, so we were watching and I think you posted a video about Mark Driscoll and we're like, Hey, if you Mark Driscoll, I feel like you are in support of Mark Driscoll and reestablishing him as a pastor and all this stuff. And I guess the big question we have is why, why so soon? Like, is, is it ready? Cause we, we experienced some of the stuff that he did. We know people that were severely hurt. Uh, the way he went about things wasn't good. And so, uh, do you believe that those people that say the things he did, you believe them? And, and like, why would you be so quick to go, hey, let's forgive this guy and get him back up on stage? Well, a couple of reasons. Um, and one, once again, I don't know. I don't know what anybody went through personally. I know there are people that have um, said that were hurt. I know there are people, come on, guys, that said they were hurt and they weren't really. Mm-hmm. I mean, they just, they're just trying to get attention. Um, here's my thing. Two things. Number one. There are 7 billion people on the planet that are, 7 billion people on the planet and about 4 billion don't know Christ. And I think Christians need to focus more on the mission than maybe muzzling people who we don't think have the message as um, refined as we would like it. Uh, the second thing is this, and this is, this is where I, this is where I landed. This is what clicked with me. Um, you can't get any more God, ungodly than Simon Peter, the last 24 hours of the life of Jesus, right? So he um, he denied Christ, um, actually c- called down curses on himself after telling Jesus, I'll never deny you. So he goes as far on the denial, despicable scale as you could get. 50 days later, he preaches the sermon at Pentecost. Mm-hmm. 50 days. So here you got a guy that completely denied Christ and he he not he didn't get kicked out. He gets put in charge of the whole thing. And 50 days later, he mm-hmm. preaches that sermon. And so I'm like, man, if if Peter had 50 days and Jesus reinsta- re- reinstated him and he repented and did it right, then who am I or who is the random? There are people out there going, well, it hasn't been enough time. Well, how much time does it take? How much time does it take to restore? Well, I think he repents. Yeah, I think I think that may be the key is a lot of people would say he hasn't repented. You know what I'm saying? There's a lot of people that are just like, mm-hmm. wait a second, true repentance would be him publicly saying, Hey, I'm sorry, you know, to a lot of people. And 
you know, Matt and Toby, I don't know if we need to edit this or not, but, you know, for sure there are people that work super closely with, with him that Matt and Toby know personally that he won't return their phone calls. He won't make amends. There's no reconciliation. So for me, that's not true repentance. So I agree with your example as far as Peter's concerned, but I think, I think you nailed it. Peter repented and was a changed man. I think people's concern with Mark is that he's not. Yeah. Let me give it, let me give a little crack at this Perry, just to uh, paint, paint it from my point of view a little bit. Um, and I'm not here at all to pick apart your words or how you word things or, or things like that. But uh, I don't know if you would give the same benefit of the doubt to a lawyer or a school teacher that had to resign under a scandal or, you know, some, some, any other thing, especially when abuse of power is one of the things at play. Like in your video, you said that, did he hurt people? I don't know. Is, is something you said in your video. I don't mean to pick apart that statement, but I, but that to me is very difficult to hear knowing that, oh, well, I know. I mean, people, there are people that do know. And so maybe from your distance away, that's a little dismissive or insensitive to the people that were hurt for, for you to say, what do you hurt people? I don't know. Maybe, you know, and, but from my point of view, this is the way I can count it without naming names or doing, that's the hard thing about this. It's really hard to talk about and explain stuff without sounding like you're slandering somebody. But from my point of view, Marcel was a collection of like 50 of the most amazing men and leaders, including Mark of anybody. And then one by one, they had trouble with Mark until nobody was left, but Mark, and then it was a problem. And as you know, I, I count 14 pastors from that were at Mars Hill now, and I'm certainly not gonna read their names, but 14 of them who were pastors up until close to the end that were prominent there, um, who do not agree with you at all. And to me, those are the people that are qualified to to make that they're the people involved and the people that do have the best vantage point on it and i've got at least 11 staff members that are very much disagree with you and then to be fair since you're a numbers guy i've got five people that i know out of th those two groups of people that have been em employed and pastors and such that are that are that are still loyal to mark or still think the way that you do but if that helps at all, that's, you know, that's my difficulty with the situation. No, no, and I hear you. But, man, since we're a numbers guy, I'll go back to the numbers. You're the first person that I've ever spoken to personally that has said you were hurt by Mark. Mm -hmm. I've, I, you well, I didn't say I didn't even say me there, but I, I could say that. But I'm not one to be dramatic, but I could make that case. But certainly people I know very much personally and firsthand. Yeah, that's see, this is the first I heard. And so mm -hmm. when I say I don't know. I didn't mean to be dismissive. Sure. It legitimately, I didn't know. I don't. Right. I didn't know of anybody. I knew of people that were anonymous online. Mm -hmm. And and personally, for me, if you're anonymous online, I don't respect that because sure, you sure. can you can hide. Well, you, behind well, if that. you were a victim of, a, you wouldn't say it to uh, somebody that was a victim of abuse, though. I don't necessarily well, think I've to come forward in sex abuse and other things. Sometimes I've been of, you know. of sex abuse, and I've gone public with mm -hmm. it. I've been molested. I went public with it. So I'm I'm a very much hey don't hide behind mm -hmm. a website come out and say it mm -hmm. like because that's the only way things get handled right yeah is you come out and you're honest and you say it and you deal with it mm -hmm. well that you are you are at least aware of the formal charges that the that twenty or whatever it is pastors pinned against him that it ultimately leaked it wasn't intended to but it's on the internet in my opinion I recommend everybody go find it. It's the formal charges from elders against Mark Driscoll. Did you, yeah. did you, have you seen that document or read it? I did, but you said something key there. It was leaked. It was leaked. Yeah. I don't think that, I don't know who leaked it or how. I don't think that necessarily negates its contents, however. Um, yes and no. I mean, I, listen, man, did some stuff go on there that wasn't right? 
I'm sure that I'm sure there was. I don't know the whole story. Mm-hmm. I just know I from what I've seen, and once again, I wasn't there, but from what I've seen out of Mark, the way I, I've seen a repentant heart in him, he's he's not the same Mark that he was when I first met him. I think he's changed. Um, man, I don't I don't know the in, intricacies of the story. I just know the guy knows theology. I really do believe he loves Jesus, and I really do believe he can be an asset to the body. I believe almost all the stuff you're saying and don't necessarily disagree, but would would you be interested in knowing more, and would it have any bearing if you did talk to, let's say, those 14 guys? For, me, For you to give then go give a public—I mean, what you're saying is that you don't know all those details, but— should you know more before you give a public endorsement or restore? Matt, Matt, would you go so far as to say that the potential is there for people to even hear Perry, know his you mm-hmm. know, platform, and actually be further hurt by his advocacy of Mark Driscoll? Is yeah, that that's what I'm asking. Is your advis- do you not have some responsibility to investigate more before giving a public restoration? And uh, you know, No, I read all the stuff. I've mm-hmm. heard. I've heard stuff. I've heard. Um, I mean, I, I, you know, I read it, I, but I was, I was talking to Mark all the way through this. Mm-hmm. I was texting with him. Um, and at the end of the day, man, um, I was his friend when, when things were good. Um, but I saw a lot of people basically, um, just piss on him when this whole mm-hmm. thing. Certainly out. many people did, but, th- but you know, the comments he made on his website in 2000 and people that hate him from the Seattle city culture and people that want to see him destroyed. Those people exist and they're numerous and that's horrible. And Mark addresses that really well. And you do really well, but also there are very many respectable brothers um, to you that, that disagree with you strongly that, that aren't haters or people trying to cause harm. They have, they have yet to reach out to me personally. Mm-hmm. Hey guys, it's Suzanne. I hate to cut us off. No, 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 no that's fine. To honor our time. Well, it's, 340. So this yep. is just all of our time we got. All right. We'll yeah. wrap up here. But yeah, I appreciate your, you know, what no, you're saying there. Great. I, just, I thank you all so much for this opportunity. This was fun. Yeah. No, we no, loved no, it, man. Yeah. Thank you for joining us, man. I, I mean, seriously, we, I want, I want you to hear this. Like when we bring up all this stuff, a lot of people don't talk like this. A lot of pastors mm-hmm. don't talk like this. And a lot of people wouldn't, I mean, we are really, when we ask you all these questions, like even about Mark Driscoll or whatever, it's because we actually do think you have a great voice and you have influence it's great conversation. on people. Cool. Yeah, well, yeah, but I mean, also you have a voice and a platform that can change people, what, whatever it might be that people are disagreeing with church. We just want to thank you for, for being aware of that stuff and being who you are, because at the end of the day, you're Perry. Your identity is not in being a pastor or any of that stuff. And so it's really cool that we get to talk to Perry, and that's really awesome. Yep. So we appreciate that. I appreciate you guys. I appreciate you guys calling. I appreciate you guys the way you ask the tough questions. You don't dodge the issues. I think that makes this podcast really good. And you're talking to people that you might not agree with on everything, but at the end of the day, we're all on the same team. We're I agree all with that. Totally. Well, do us but, a favor if you could, uh, and if we're, we'll get this up. It'll be up next week. I'd love it more than anything if you would share this interview, if you're absolutely. comfortable with that. That would that'd mean a whole lot to us, Perry. Let us, yeah, let's uh, know when it's up, and we'll, we'll we'll get it out there. I love and that. We, and we all received the bunch of beer that you sent us in the mail. Thank you so <laughs> awesome, much. Awesome. I'm glad you got that. I'm glad I would not have known that. Thank you so much. I love that beer. I'm going to take care of you guys, man. <laughs> all right, we'll talk to you soon. We very Thanks, much Barry. appreciate it. Really Absolutely. appreciate Thank your time. You guys. Hey, when Clemson wins it all next year, we'll get you back on. Yep. Absolutely. I'm in. All right, man. We'll see you. All right. See ya. All right. Perry Noble. Wow. Okay. That's our, uh, wow, that our indeed. second mega pastor because we had Rick Bazette. 
Perry, yeah. Now we have Perry Noble. He might be the largest per- person in that in this realm for sure. What did he say? Fifty something thousand in church? Crazy. That's insane. Like that uh, is insane. I mean, that's like that's like half of a bad Christian podcast. Yeah, went to his church. <laughs> Dude, it, it's it's <laughs> crazy when you it's crazy when you talk to guys like that. Like you catch on right away as to why they're so successful, and mm-hmm. I do understand right that there's a little mystery, and I'll give them that as to why the church exploded, but. You know why people love listening to Perry. Yeah, that's great. He's good at what he does. I mean, he's he has a real gift. I mean, yeah. it just does. There's, you there's, could sit and listen to that guy talk all day, and it would be you would enjoy it. That's why right. people love us. People sit and listen it's, to us talking because we are just as talented as it well, comes. You know what he reminds me of? I didn't put it into perspective <laughs> until during that interview. But, you know, Toby particularly is one with a, a special talent to attack Thanks, other, other people. Shit. <laughs> That's an that. special skill that you have. And then you've talked about before, like how you grew up and you were in this culture where you had to cut back quickest and best and whatever. And, and you always have attack other person at the tip of the tongue and you never fail there. Well, Perry's a lot more organized and tamed version of that, but he uh. talks about being scrappy. And everything when he's challenged, he what he does really well is shift it to another person and something. Right. And like, oh, you know, well, where, what did, where were you when I was poor? What did you, where, where were you right, when Mark Driscoll was doing that? And it, I think great. that's a great, great tactic. It really, he is scrappy and he did a great job, I thought. So, okay, so I, I, well, I also, a, I mean, I it comes theory. across so likable. Everybody goes, oh man, you're, if I, if I push back or anything, everybody goes, man, Toby's an asshole, mean to Joey. Mm-hmm, he nails he's it. He's a piece of shit. And, and Perry's got, oh, everybody goes, oh, Perry's but awesome. But I do identify that as tactic. But like, don't you think, it. like, Perry, like, that's what I've always thought about, like, Greg Strad, our pastor, is like, that's a guy you would love to go to the bar and have a beer with mm-hmm. and just talk. Like, that, like, you know what I mean? Like, that's the way people think of Obama or George W. Bush. That's what, like, and it goes back to what Matt said is, like, he thinks Obama's chill and cool. Mm-hmm. That's probably the greatest attribute he has. Sure, he's smart. Sure, he's done all, whatever, blah, 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 blah. George Bush, whoever. But, I mean, you you think, oh, I could hang out with him and it'd be fun. Trouble is, that means that our leaders are all, you know, you know what I mean? Like, it's the easiest quality of becoming a leader is being semi-like narcissistic it, personality. Not, yep. not Perry, but, you know, the, the people right. that are best at charisma wind up with the most basically hey, versus I've got a, skills. I've got That's a theory. Maybe true unless you're super smart nerd wise. Right, we got to let Joey in Dr. here. Go ahead, Joey. Um, so I, I think it was obvious that near the, uh, Joey, this is Dr. Nables. Um, it's time for your counseling session. Joey, sorry. <laughs> your doctor's there. You need to go, dude. Sorry. Just Matt and I are going to get to talk the rest of this podcast. Okay. All I could come up was Dr. Nables. Nables. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but seriously, seriously, I have I have a, a significant theory that I think will hold water here. All right, hit so it. near near the end of the interview, I think it was pretty obvious that we were going to come out on the end of that thing agreeing to disagree. I think we felt like Perry Noble should have uh, potentially looked into it a little bit more and maybe stewarded his words better as far as talking about Driscoll. I won't I won't speak for you guys, but here's what I think is probably key. So. There, there are some Christian theories out there that uh, the passage in Ephesians that talks about pastors, teachers, evangelists, yeah. prophets, and apostles, that all of us lean towards one of those. I could almost guarantee you uh, that he his bent is more towards evangelism than it is towards pastoring. And the reason being is that he can't get out of his mind that Driscoll is so good at what he does, people need to hear him. And people need to hear him because they need Jesus. And kind of a secondary issue, 
are the people in the church that mm-hmm. have been hurt. Now, I don't think he would necessarily say, hey, I don't care about the church as much. Um, but I definitely think there are some people that are just bent a little more towards saying, sure. wait a second, people have been hurt here, yep. guys. I, I agree people with that, and hurt. I would just say to what expense. But, th- how, you know, at what expenditure does that cost in a, in a human sense? But did y'all, uh, th- you know, y'all, I thought we did as good as we could do. I know people thought like, you got Perry Noble in there. You got to really give it to him as much crap All as right. we talk about mega churches and pastors and stuff. You think we kind of got at him a little bit there. I kind of thought that was good. I'm glad that he acknowledged how healthy that is. I think that's what's so messed up about the church is we don't know how to have disagreeing conversations and still be down at the end of the conversation. I mean, bottom line is we love Perry Noble and I think he likes us and we, we actually pretty much disagree with the Driscoll issue. I wonder, did his assistant ha- know that whenever Driscoll comes up, it's time to cut off the call? <laughs> well, we, we did hit the 35-minute no, mark. It. But it. it is funny. Like, that is so awesome when you have an assistant and mm-hmm. they get to be the bad guy. It. Yeah. Like, I wonder, like, I, would, I just. I'll, We've I only had two that. interviews that. We've only had two interviews that have closed out that way, and that's Perry Noble and Lecrae. Well, I am glad he came on. I thought I was glad that he answered all the questions. He didn't shy away from anything a lot. I, I've always wondered. I mean, we like I said, we, I think we've had this. He's our second mega pastor, and both of them, Rick Bazet and Perry Noble, have been pretty legit. I mean, we are going to disagree about some stuff. And they're right about some stuff, and we are right about some stuff. We're wrong about some stuff, and they are too. But I, I did think... I was glad that we asked all the questions that we did. I would have loved the, the biggest thing I didn't get into was I really wanted to ask the question like, is our mega churches built on one dude? Like what yeah, his perspective we'd, if we had more time, is. I'd love to get into that. Yeah. I would love that because I mean, like uh, talking about Mark Driscoll, I mean, one dude goes down, the whole church is gone. Mm-hmm. It doesn't exist anymore. So I mean, yeah. no matter what, Mars Hill was not bigger than the one dude. And it was one of the fastest growing, blah, blah, all the numbers, everything. And dude. so I, w- yeah. I would have loved to have gotten into that. Yeah, every time I talk to someone that goes to New Spring, and I'm not even saying this in necessarily a negative way, even though I do think that it's negative, but every single time they're just like, I just love Perry, man. Yep. I just love that dude. I love his teaching. And I, I obviously you got to like the person that you consider your leader, but that can't be the thing that keeps you committed to a church because then what happens when you hear a speaker that's even better and he moves right in town, you know, down the road. Do you, do you go to that guy or do you stay with the I think that's the history of the with? church. I think you go to a church for a while and then you, something happens and you end up not liking it and you find somebody better. I don't know. That sounds so sad. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Can we get to some more damn truth? Something like hey, well, yeah. well, Perry well, Noble, Perry, I, I'm going to tell you, I think Perry Noble gave us some truth and now Toby Morrell is going to give you some more damn truth. That's yeah, okay. truth upgrade here. Yeah, I'm going to upgrade the truth even more. Perry Noble brings you the truth. I'm bringing the truth. In a world where you have taken over, first of all, you start a podcast with your friend, and then he makes you do his other job outside of the podcast while he lays around a lake tanning with his, his uh, psoriasis skin. Excellent. Hang <laughs> around a lake. My name is Toby Morrell. It's the damn news. Mm-hmm. Is, has any is there is there any other podcast personalities that one of the podcast members quit their job for a month and made the other podcast guy do that job too? Like nope, I still have to nope. do the podcast, and now I'm also doing Joey's job. I still have to do my hey, job. Hey, I'll have you know that I am writing a book, 
that I'm reading books. I'm actually being very constructive with my time. It's just in a very relaxed setting where I don't have people messing with me. You said so, that you you have gotten to the third chapter of that the second Harry Potter book. That's what you said. Yeah, that's and a then, book. What's the book you're writing? Uh, it's a reflection on my mental disorders through my childhood, high school, <laughs> and young adult life. Do you have a title yet for that, Joey? Is it? Is it? Is Has there ever been other groups of friends that when their friend goes, "Hey, I'm writing a book about my mental disorders," that the other two friends died laughing? <laughs> yeah, well, actually, Toby and Joey, I'm going to tell you, I'm writing a uh, book about how my parents were tragically taken in a car accident. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, hey! It's, it's, strangely enough, I'm writing a, an, a, a, a whole book about the mental abuse that my parents put me through from age seven to age seven. Hey, before you get started, hey, go you, ahead. I've already started. I've, I've done the intro. We started well, the news. What do you mean before I get started? What the well, hell do you mean by that? I just want to say some names. So that, you know, it's kind of oh, like God. if I read if I read the names afterwards, it's kind of like those people that heard their names. They don't get to enjoy hearing their names because they're just like, well, go ahead, we supported then. that. Hit shit. It. Whereas now they're going to hear their names. They're going to be like, man, this is cool. Okay. We, you know, the news may be good this time. All right. So we have Dylan Charles Forgy, Justin Hedrick, Spencer DeWalt, Chase Proudfoot. Do you think he is Native American? Proudfoot? Don't know. Probably so. Not weighing in. Jody A. Willem, Daniel A. Yellow, e. A. Yellow, Joel Branscombe, Benjamin Brown, Lyle Madsen, Matt Price, Cole Elliott, Skylar Michael, Josh Morse, Brad Parsons, Jordan Collins, Millard A. Ramsey, Edward Tay. We want to thank you guys. I grew up with a Benjamin Brown, a good friend of mine. I wonder if it's the same one. I don't know. But thank That's you great. guys for being a part of the BC Club, badchristian.com forward slash contribute. It's the most uh, highly ranked. Thanks for ruining my news, everyone. During the Perry Noble interview, all I could hear was Joey breathing into his phone. I hope we can fix it. I texted yeah. Joey. I was like, hey, man, if you could just not breathe into your phone. <laughs> I said, hey, Perry, I just really. The living nightmare. Right, this comes from Yahoo and LiveScience.com. Joey, I know you've never heard of that website before. Good Live sources, man. Uh, is not a, set, a website. I've before. definitely heard of Yahoo. It was my first email address. Well, well, also, this news article is going to really get you excited because it's about religion. Mm-hmm. You still oh, have that? Christ- you still have I'm religion? Excited. I'm, con- I'm excited about Christianity. Okay. Religious reveal. Men lag behind women in devoutness. Did y'all mm. guess that? Yes. Despite the fact that most historical figures are male, such as Jesus, Muhammad, and the Buddha. And, <laughs> and, <laughs> Pastor Joey Svensson laughs at other <laughs> other. I thought you were going to say of, of religion. I thought you were going to say the booty, but you said oh. the Buddha. <laughs> yep, the Buddha. And that most conservative religious institutions rely on male leaders, including priests and Orthodox rabbis. New data shows that women today tend to be more religious than men. The new survey results represent six faith groups, Christians, Muslims, Buddhists, Hindus, Jews, and the religiously unaffiliated from 84 (laughs) different countries. Mm -hmm. Um, After sifting through the responses, Pew Research found that 
In general, women are more devout than men and on several measures of religious commitment. But among some groups, such as Orthodox Jews and Muslims, men tend to go to religious centers more than women do, likely because they're encouraged to take part. Mm -hmm. Pew asked us several questions to get a better idea um, of how religious people are. For instance, when asked whether they affiliate with a religion, more women than men said they identified with a faith group. 83% of the people that they interviewed said they identified with a faith group compared to 79% of men. So women are 83%. Men are 79%. The gap of 3.5 percentage points means that an estimated 97 million more women than men claim a religious affiliation mm-hmm. worldwide as of 2010. Um, and I'm not going to read the rest of it, but I thought that was interesting. And I just don't think that's that crazy. I see it all the time in church. I think women these days maybe always have just have some bent towards Believe. Well, this one I want to. This one's easy. It's easier than this. It's a, definitely a big no duh as far as studies go. You can solve this one just by by with the old dishwasher that I'm looking at in my kitchen right now. Okay. So let wow, me tell you, using a pastoral yeah. like a, mm-hmm. a tool to so show. Let, let's just let's just use the dishwasher for example. The old dishwasher. My dishwasher. I am telling you, there's nothing short of religious zeal the way my wife thinks about, is superstitious about, and religious about the way the damn thing needs to be loaded. She's built in. To, it's right. more that way for women. You do this. You do this. This happens. I hate it. I believe that it matters whether it's facing this way or how tight this is. You got to put right. the soap in here, make sure it doesn't, yeah. whatever it is. That's religious, superstitious nonsense. That, that I mean, how about the way my wife thinks totally about agree. coats for Georgia and the temperatures and how much it... Right. matters right it it don't matter it's you know what i mean and so of course yeah. that carries into religion and anything there's a belief or or superstitious because it's just i mean I, you know, i'm not speaking for all women i'm speaking about my wife and what i assume is large things statistically but they really get worked up about the way you need to wash fruit oh wow. <laughs> okay so we what's the a, difference in that yeah. and we you, have the special fruit washing right. ridiculous thing yeah, right I'm just saying that's their whole thing is is superstitious stuff that matters Women. zero. Women. And the stuff that matters not at all, but believing hey. in it and in a way that transcends our relationship. She'd burn our relationship to the ground for it to get it done right. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Like she doesn't let it. There's no letting go about the fruit wash. Right. We, hey, we can, She's go, committed. Man. It's real. She can't let it go because it could kill you. Right. That's what she thinks. That's what I'm saying. That's what religion is. You believe something even farther and deeper than your than what you can even observe and have in this life so that's the same thing right also you'd want to consider that uh the part where you said men are more prominent which is interesting talking about gender and gender stereotype stuff too i would just say probably most of the people that delivered the dishwashers were men probably yeah. the people that <laughs> probably the person that sold it to you was a man which is what religion is right it's the men right. that are doing the, the thing and selling it to you and then the women the ones consuming it and putting all the rules on how it runs. Oh, Lord. So, so you're saying that men create this religion bullshit, they create, and, they, they, and all the women fall for it, and then the men don't even go to it the anymore. Men engineer, <laughs> the men engineer the dishwasher, write the ad copy for why they need it, sell it to them, deliver it, and install it, and then the women and, are religious about it for the rest of their life. And never go to back to the dishwasher ever again. That's right. <laughs> that is that, that is hilarious and so sad. Uh, is, that, is that our faith? Is that what? Oh, my Lord, man. That's a bigger. I, I got to move on. I'm moving on. I can't even stay there. <laughs> Men created the religion. Women totally fell for it in their feminine <laughs> ways. And, and then the men go, okay, y'all have at it. Talk about God and stuff. I'm out. 
I'm going to watch the football game. <laughs> well, we're good on time, gentlemen. Good episode. I enjoyed talking to Perry. What about specifically? Us? You didn't enjoy talking to me yeah, and Joey? Yeah, I did. I said good episode, fellas. Yeah, Joey, that, how's your uh, brain doing? This? I was thinking, like, uh, that it probably is maybe you're not going to struggle with depression right now because you're kind of alone. Like, that's kind of a good thing for you, right? Like, you kind of... Um, yeah, yeah, I'm definitely not struggling that much for sure. I mean, I've, I've been on sabbatical now, let's see, for about 10 days. And I would say, uh, I, I have had two significantly bad days and that's about average. So, yeah. that, I, or actually I would say that's, that's better than normal. So yeah, uh, it is. Yeah. I, I, what did I say? 20 days you would have depression out of the 30. Yeah, I think so. I don't So know. I'm wrong. Well, you still got, you know, things can, things can go to shit, you know, from hey, this point Would you on mind keeping me, like, personally updated? Like, tomorrow, could you text me and say, hey, man, things went to shit? <laughs> You've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Jabberjawmedia.com. Shh.